In today's show, we're looking at buy low and sell high players for fantasy basketball, a couple of rookies, a couple of second year players. You'll find out soon, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and someone who just made the playoffs in fantasy football. So congratulations to me. The first time playing fantasy football in like 10 years. Yes, let's go. Anyway, you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore b-ball. You can find me on TikTok at redrock underscore Beeble, on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball, and Substack JoshLloyd48.substack.com. Today's episode, actually, I don't think today's episode is brought to you by anybody, so it's not. Just thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. We're here to look at buy lows and sell highs. As is tradition, there are five people that I'm looking at as buy lows. Five as sell highs. If someone is not mentioned as a buy low, it does not mean that they are not a buy low. If someone is not mentioned as a sell high, it does not mean they are sell high. If someone is mentioned as a buy low, it does not mean acquire them at all cost. It means see if you can get them at a cheaper price than normal. And if you can't, don't worry about it. Sell high does not mean you must dump this player. It means see if you get good value back. And if you can't, ride out the good times. That is how all of this works. No one is a must trade or a must acquire or anything like that. It is all about trying to find value. And you're going to find people who become on buy lows and then they go into sell highs and they go back to buy lows. And it's about doing that. You sell a guy at top 20 value, he then falls and he's the 130th best player. Then you buy him back for top 90 value. Then he goes back to top 10 and you're selling for top 30 value. It's all about just acquiring talent and acquiring talent and ups and downs and all that sort of stuff. That is how you maximize your value playing fantasy basketball. So all of that to say, warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. Okay, let's look at how we did two weeks ago. Not a bad result, I think, when looking at these um, recaps. The buy lows we had for the week seven show was Michael Porter Jr., who was 246th, and then he hasn't played since. So, you know, that's obviously an L because he hasn't played. I still think that he is a buy low, but you know, he hasn't played, so it didn't work. Paulo Banquero was 328th over that time frame. Um, okay, he's 88th since then. He's sort of settling in. You're always, I think, going to have some issues with uh, lack of um, defensive stats and bad percentages, but he's, he settled back in. Budrick Heald was 144th. Since then, he's 68th. I think 70 to 100 is a fair range for Heald. Um, Keegan Murray, he was 349th. And I, I don't... I'm, not, I'm still not really sure where he goes, but he's 349th, and since then, he's been 82nd. 82nd is a clear 12-team guy. I'm still not 100% convinced he's going to remain a 12-team league guy for the next month or two, but those numbers disagree. That says that he's a 12-team league guy. When I had him on that thing two weeks ago, I'd said that he was a 12-team drop, but in deeper leagues and those of you with stash ability, it's a great time to buy. Um, and he's exceeded any of my expectations over that time frame as well. So that's a huge positive. So you probably do want to have him on your team, but I'm still I'm not 100% convinced on it. We'll find out how that goes. Fred Van Vliet was 152nd. He's slightly improved to 123rd. It's not a huge W, but it's okay. 
And then on the sell high show or side of it things, um, well, this one was was pretty obvious, I think. And again, the majority of you will sit there and go, oh, I'm in a competitive league. Yeah, there's no way you could sell Shake Milton High. And that's that is true for the vast majority of people. But there's also a subsection of people like, oh, well, Shakes, he's actually really good. And I can find a way that he gets 30 minutes a night. They'll just put PJ Tucker onto the bench and there'll be injuries and you'll still do this. Um, and that's where you need to target and sell high. They're the sort of people, those guys who have that sort of um, thought process. Now, it is really hard to sell high on these guys because the majority of time, the guys who overvalue them are the people that have them on their roster already. It's really hard to do a sell. Sell highs in general are a lot harder to do because again, the people who have them, I think it's, someone told me it was called the endowment effect, that when you have that person on your team, you value them higher than others would anyway. So finding someone who values them more than you do is a really tough ask, especially with these like waiver wire gems because the other people who don't have them aren't trying to find any excuse to believe that they'll maintain that value. So that does make it always a tough challenge. But anyway, shake dropped off. Draymond Green went from 28th to 81st. 81st is about right for him, I think. That's sort of the area we expect him to be. Anthony Simons, well, it was a W, barely. He went from 34th to 35th. Although, we're going we're gonna to see. Like, If I had have done this show in four days' time, he'd be like 130th. I think he's 158th over the last week. Because Dame is back. He's losing value. That, Even though that's the slightest, it's the bee's dicks of wins, it's going to be a huge W. Like if you were able to sell him for any sort of top 50 player, I think it's going to be a massive W. His value goes up when Dame is out. His value drops way down when Dame is in. It's relatively consistent. Clay Thompson was 50th. He hasn't dropped off as much as I expected, 57th. He has had a really, really strong month of basketball, which is great. And Caleb Martin was 43rd. He's dropped to 197th. He's back to me just being a scheduled streamer. That 43rd was based on a lot of injuries. Um, Butler was out at that time. You had Hero in and out of the lineup at that time, and he just took advantage of it, and that's what happens. And then, so if you've got any sort of value back on a Caleb Martin deal, eh, you came out ahead, I think, would be a fair um, fair way of uh, discussing that. Today's episode is brought to you by the blokes over at Turo. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace with Turo. You can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the US, UK, Canada, and Australia. Book a spacious SUV or a minivan for a family road trip. Get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday. Find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and just need to get from A to B. Test drive that new electric vehicle you've been eyeing off to see how it fits in your everyday life. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. These notes on this ad said, Turo is pronounced T-E-R-R. Tur. Turo. So I have to say it in an American accent. If I say it in an Australian accent, here's Turo. It doesn't, it doesn't sound right, does it? It's definitely Turo. Turo, like your touring grand tour? Like your touring car? Surely? No? Turo? Turo? Anyway. Go to Turo.com and check out their uh, their cars. It's a good buy those. We're going to start with Humpty Dumpty himself, the breakfast man, Benedict Matherin. Yes, I don't think Matherin is a 12-team league guy at the moment. I've said that for a few weeks now, actually. And yeah, this is why. But I also understand it, and we talk about it. It's all conditional, and I know a lot of people 
do not hear everything I say. And that's totally understandable. I don't expect you. I don't listen to everything I say. I don't expect you to listen to everything I say. So there, I, know I need to do a better job of communicating this stuff because yeah, sometimes I'll, I will say stuff and you know, the... Uh, and no offense to this guy because he makes his comment all the time uh, on, on my on my YouTube videos, but he's like, oh, Josh thinks that Calvin Johnson and DeAndre Hunter are really bad players. And I, I don't, I didn't say that. I said, I, you know, I don't think they're that good. I think they're overrated. And he goes, well, he also thinks that Hartenstein is really good and Kennedy Chandler is really good. Um, and therefore he thinks that Hartenstein and Kennedy Chandler are better than DeAndre Hutton, Hunter and Calvin Johnson. And I didn't say any of those things and I don't believe that, but it's where I need to do a better job of communicating. Um, you know, what my thoughts are on those players. Because a lot of this stuff is very relative to um, general consensus and the ideas of these guys. Like, I don't think DeAndre Hunter is all that good. I don't think he's a very good starting caliber wing. I don't think any of those things about him, but I still think he's a, a solid enough player who's a solid rotation wing piece with some size, but just doesn't you know, have the juice to be paid as much as he is. And in saying this with Benedict Matherin, like I said that he's a drop, but I also really was clear that if you're in a strong position... I think he is going to get much better February, March. But you've got to be in a really strong position in your league. So if you are in a really strong position, or you're in a dynasty, we won't worry about that in this. But if you're in a really strong position, or you're in a deeper format, like I think Matherin is better than what he's currently doing. But you're in an eighth position in a league, and you're, what are we? How many weeks are we into the bloody season? Eight weeks into the season, you're three and five, or the equivalent in an each category format. You can't deal with this nonsense for another two months. In a deeper league, though, yeah, he can push back to be the 170th best player. He's 291st, Benedict Matherin, in category leagues over the last two weeks. 164th in points leagues. That's useless. It's not helping anybody. Why is he down this far? Well, his points are down, fantasy points from 21 to 20, from 21 points, sorry, at 21 points over the last two weeks versus 25 for the season. And the, the one glaring thing that I know is not going to continue, for as much as I think that his game is a little bit limited, he's shooting 12% from three. Like, that is going to improve. He's at 35 for the season. His numbers this season are not massively inspiring. Everyone loves the points. 17 points per game is great as a rookie. One and a half assists, 0.6 steals, 0.1 blocks. They're not good numbers. And that's hurting him in fantasy. But I look at 11.8% from three and go, yeah, that's changing. He might not go back to the guy that shot 38% or 42% or whatever it was for the first two weeks of the season, really mirroring what Chris Duarte did last season, by the way. He started off shooting 48% from three, I think. This is going to bump up. And therefore, because he's shooting 12% from three, instead of the 1.93s he's averaging this season, he's averaging 0.53s over the last eight games. He's hit four threes in eight games. That's really bad. And his usage, which I think maybe is, is reasonable, has come down from 25.7 to 23.5. I think that Matherin can push back to B from here on out, like 160th, 170th, averaging out all the production. You might get a stretch where he's 180th, 190th. And then when we hit February, March, maybe he's 90th or 100th. So if you're looking to stash for later on, it's a good option. But if you're looking for production now, you're not getting it. And I do think that you know, he was overrated early in the season, and I'm not convinced that steals or assists or blocks are going to come in at all. He has blocked two shots all season in 800 minutes. That's really bad. And that doesn't help your fantasy game. But I'm 100% confident he's going to shoot better. And these numbers are going to come up. So it's all about nuance and individual leagues and individual league position as to what you do with Matherin. Can you afford to deal with someone who is you know, destroying percentages, not giving you positive free throws, never helping you in assist deals or blocks, losing volume in threes, not rebounding, 
Like he's not actually contributing anything. In fact, over the last um, two weeks, he is a negative contributor in every category. Only marginally in free throws at 79.1%, but still a negative in every category. That means you're at least below average in every category. It's bad, but I think he's going to be better. And the same goes for a fellow rookie shooting guard who, in general, rookie shooting guards are bad. They are bad in fantasy for a long time. Three, four months. Unless you are an elite prospect, Anthony Edwards, Jalen Green, and even them, I have they were bad. They sucked for a very long time, and they came good in March, April, or February, maybe. Jaden Ivey, he sucks. His production's bad. And I, I, every, literally everything I just said for Matherin applies to Ivey in terms of where you're positioned in your league, um, how your deep league is deep, all that sort of stuff. Like He cannot contribute to your team right now, Jaden Ivey. He can't. In a category league. In points league, he's much better. He's, average, he's the 266th ranked player for the season, over the last two weeks in categories and 159th in points leagues. His fantasy points are down from 28 to 21. That's that's not good, obviously. Um, but I do believe he's a must-roster 12-team points league guy. I'm not as sure on Matherin. But it's things are well down for him. And the th- confusing thing with you know old mate coach of the year, Dwayne Casey, is Cade Cunningham's out for the season and has been out for the last two weeks. And Casey's response is, oh, I guess we better play our other um, prize young guard few minutes. Because he's down to 27 minutes. He was playing 31 for the season. He's down to 27. He gets benched every game. And that's, yes, he is playing poorly. But is the point winning? Is the point developing Corey Joseph? I would think not. But I don't know. I'm not the boffins in charge over in Detroit. He's shooting poorly. Now, he is not a good three-point shooter. He didn't come in as a good three-point shooter. He's a 30% guy for the year. But he's down to 25% over the last two weeks. And going from terrible to just bad is an improvement. And I think we can expect him to at least get back to 30 or maybe 31, 32. But it's been pretty bad. And the other weird thing is, and again, you look at this and you go, well, Cade's out. All right, more usage for Ivy, more minutes for Ivy. He'll handle the ball more, get more assists. No, apparently not. 27 minutes versus 31, down. Um, usage is up. That, that is true from 25 to 27. But his assists are, are down at 3.2. Okay. His... Um, his assists per 36, so we account for the few minutes, his assists per 36 are down from 4.7 to 4.2. He's, and I, I guess a lot of his assists were going to Kate, but he's showing to me at this point that he is not ready to be a point guard. That's because I don't think he is. He's like a combo guard, scoring guard guy. But there's big improvements that can come here from Jaden Ivey. It just is going to take a while. Let's go to Chris Middleton, an established player. The reason we look at Middleton as a buy low, everyone understands he has just come back. Or do they? Because the frustration builds. I waited eight weeks for this bloke to come back. And he comes back and he shit. And then he sprains his ankle. Season over. Right? There will be someone that you know that acts like that. Right? There'll be some of you who watch this show who will self-reflect and go, yeah, that was me. And you know what? I, I do those sort of things at times too. But... Okay, Middleton's averaging 22.4 fantasy points. He's the 205th ranked player this season, 148th since he's returned. They're bad numbers. Simple as that. But we all know that his minutes are going to jump up and his percentages are going to jump up. He's hitting 27% from three. He was at 37 last season. Easy. 
He's hitting 42% of his twos. He was at 49 last season. Easy. He's averaging 0.6 steals. Well, he doubled that last season. So even if he doesn't hit the values of last season, you've got a big area, gigantic delta to, to improve from. And it's all about finding that manager, the one who picked LaMelo Ball and then picked Chris Middleton. The one who picked Cade Cunningham and Chris Middleton. And they're like, I need something. I need something. And you go, ah, oh, something, huh? I've got something. It's a top 80 player. Do you want him for Middleton? Who knows with him, man? He's, he's injured all the time. He just got hurt again. Maybe he can't shoot. The wrist's wrecking him. Don't tell him that it was on his non-shooting hand. You can get some value here for Middleton. Now, you're not getting him for 205th ranked player. 80th guy, maybe. And it's going to take a little bit of time to get here, but there is so much room for improvement. It's not going to take long. Let's talk about old mate Scotland Barnes. He's not good. He, um, let me rephrase it before I get you know, attacked. He is not as good as the Scotty Barnes fan club that told me that he was the savior or the people that told me they need to trade Pascal Siakam to let Barnes run the team or they need to bench Fred Van Vliet so that Barnes can run everything. He is not that good. Like He, he just isn't. He might become that good. I highly, highly doubt it. But he is not that good anywhere close to it. But this is a positive Scotty Barnes segment. He's not this bad. 134th over the last two weeks, 101st in points leagues. He's averaging 27 fantasy points versus 32 for the season. He's not this bad. Now, he is, again, significantly overrated. He's only averaging 0.7 steals. And, you know, people, let's go Barnes, mate. Elite defender, big defensive numbers. Yeah, not really. 0.9 steals, 0.8 blocks for the season. But over the last seven games, that's 0.7 steals and 0.4 blocks. Horrific numbers. That's bad numbers. That's Colin Sexton defensive numbers. He's also averaging, as the new point guard ahead of Fred Van Vliet, 3.1 assists over the last seven games. That's down from 4.6. Like, he's not going to be this gigantic assist player, but he's better than this. And for a guy that allegedly fixed his shooting, he's shooting 24% from three. It's a 32 for the season, which is actually an improvement from where it was last season as a 30% three-point shooter. If we, if we understand that Scotty Barnes is not a good shooter, I think we all accept that. But he's also not this bad, right? He's not 23.8% bad. And we know that the biggest single influencer in fantasy ranking is three-point percentage because it impacts three categories. Points, threes, and field goal percentage. So if that goes up just to 30%, the 0.73s made go to, what say, 1.3 made. The 12.7 points goes to 14 points or 13 points or whatever it is. And your field goals probably jump up as well. So while I am not the Scott, captain of the Scotty Barnes fan club, pretty clearly. I do believe that he is significantly better than this. I think that he, yeah, he's probably got a chance to be the 70th to 80th best player this season, but he's not, hasn't been that good at all this season, and he's slumping at the moment. So if you could get him for a top 100, 110 guy, package a few back-end players to get him, I, I would do it. It's going to be hard to pull off, but... If, if me, alleged Scotty Barnes hater, is telling you that he's much better than he's performing at the moment, then I, then I, I think you can agree that he's much better than he's performing. I don't think he's that much better, but he is much better than he is currently performing. I hope all that makes sense. And you, you can, I know there's a lot of sarcasm put in there with Scotty Barnes, but he is better than what we're currently seeing. 
that that is, I think, pretty clear. Is he a perennial all-star, all-NBA player that's going to hit those peaks this season? No. But he's much better than what we're seeing. Today's episode is also brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season, basketball, and the World Cup, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. World Cup semi-final tomorrow, Morocco and France. I think the other one is still go- is still going on at the moment. Uh, Argentina, which Croatia, which at the time we're recording this, Argentina was up pretty big. But you can check all of NFL for next week. All the odds are already up. The Chiefs are 14-point favorites over the Texans. How bad do they kill them? I-, I would expect pretty badly. What about the Jets and the Lions, though? Pick them. No spread at all. Is that realistic? The Lions, giant killers, on the push for the playoffs. All of the odds are at betonline.net. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online is where the game starts. And don't forget to gamble responsibly. Let's go to some buy, another buy low. I think it's the last buy low. Yeah, he was on the sell high because what he was doing was completely 100% unsustainable, obviously unsustainable. Although... When I say, the reason like I'll put these players here is because I can say it's obviously unsustainable for Darren Fox. And you can think that. And 70% of people can think that. But I will always have a pushback going, nah, Josh, no, nah, no. Nah. The three-pointers are real. He hits his free throws. He's picking his spots. He's in control. He's definitely going to keep these numbers up, right? And people will talk themselves into that stuff. Now, obviously, he didn't. And he was never going to be the best mid-range shooter ever, best rim finisher ever. Fox has improved, man. He's taken that next step. He's taken that leap. They're the people you've got to try and target in these sort of sell highs, buy low deals, right? Because obviously, it's not good. He's currently also injured with a foot issue. But 120th per game over the last two weeks in category leagues and 88th in points leagues. His fantasy points have dropped from 39 to 29. His two-point percentage has dropped from 57 to 49. His three-point percentage has dropped from 37 to 28. And his assist rate has also gone from 5.6 to 4. Now, the reality of who Darren Fox is is somewhere in between the top 10 player that he was versus the not top 100 player that he currently is. I think that this field goal percentage is not going to be 50%. I think that his free throws, there's a chance it doesn't stay at over 80. And I think that his three-pointers aren't going to stay necessarily as high. But there's massive improvement here. And I feel really... Look, I didn't even include this, but he's only averaging... He's got two steals in his last four games. This is a guy that in the past has been 1.2, 1.5. And this season, his numbers are down. There is plenty of room here for Fox to improve. Plus, if you acquire him now, he is currently injured. So that gives you great value. Now, what do I think is fair value? I think that looking at him as around a top 40, top 50 player rest of the season is realistic. So don't give up a guy who's around a top 40, top 50 player, because that would mean if you gave up that sort of play, then you are assuming that De'Aaron Fox pushes back to be a top 20 player, and I don't think that's real. What you need to do is get a top 70 player, a top 80 player. Take on the person who's got multiple injuries plus Fox. Alleviate some of the injury risk there that they have. You might not be able to do it, but you also might. People who rostered De'Aaron Fox last season and then have him again this season, we'll be like, oh no, he sucks again. It's the same as last year because he was pretty bad last season. Oh, that was just a blip. And it was a blip to start the season. But he's not this bad. 
look, he's not a 28% three-point shooter. He's not a 52 true shooting guy. This is all going to improve. But you gotta, you got to pick your targets. you got to find that person, look at their roster, look at their general mentality, look at how they view things and inquire. But don't view Fox as a top 20 player rest of season. I don't believe that's realistic. Let's go to sell high players. He's done. He's good. Donovan Mitchell has been awesome this season. Like, awesome. He's the 11th ranked player over the last two weeks. He's 24th in points leagues. In points leagues, he's averaging 42 fantasy points. And you know what? That is actually lower than his season total of 43. Right? So this buy low is based on the last two weeks, but it's also based on there's no way that this stuff continues all season. Maybe there is. But Donovan Mitchell has been able to turn into literally one of the best shooters in the NBA. His true shooting percentage the last three seasons, 56, 57, 57. His true shooting this season, 63. His true shooting the last five games, 66. 66% true shooting as a perimeter player, as an undersized guard, is Steph Curry-like? Maybe Steph's never even been this good. Like, it is not going to be able to stick. So it's basically everything that he's doing, the 36 minutes fine. We've already seen his assists fall. We knew they would. Down under four per game. That is going to end up biting him really hard, I think, eventually. But he is shooting, over the last five games, 46% from three. He's at 42 for the season. What's his career numbers? Oh, yeah, 37, 39, 36 the last three seasons. So has he improved? It's possible. Is he going to stick as a 42 guy or a 44 guy? I really doubt that. His two-point percentage, 58%. Last season, it was 53. And that last season was already a six percentage point jump from 48 the year before that. Is he just going to jump up like 10, 12 percentage points in two seasons? He could, but it feels really unreal, uh, unrealistic. And his free throws. Now, last season, 85. The year before that, 85. The year before that, 86. The last five games, 95. This entire season, 89. And even if he goes back from 95 to 89, which is his season number, 89 is excellent, but five percentage point drops is big. It, it is important. And if he goes back to 86, still really good, that is a massive drop-off. And free throw percentage, while not quite as impactful as three-point percentage, it impacts scoring. It impacts two categories, free throws and scoring. So he is coasting by for the first 24 games of this season on absolutely elite shooting numbers. Elite. Is he this good over the course of the remaining 60 games of the season? I don't think so. If I can get a top 15 player back for Don Mitchell, I would. Would I trade him for a top 25 guy? No. I think because I'd rather just ride this out. But I feel really, I don't know if confidence is the right word because he's done it for 24 games. But this level of improvement and this level of efficiency is really hard to do. So even if he drops from a 63 true shooting guy to a 59 or 60 guy, that's still probably a 10 ranking spot drop in fantasy going from how the hell is this guy doing this to still really, really good. And that's the nuance in that, I think. The wave pool, D'Anthony Melton, much like Shake Milton, just, just yes, Tangles will be back. You can't wait too long to, to trade out D'Anthony Melton because if you wait until Maxi's back, you get no value. Over the last two weeks, Melton's the 36th ranked player in category leagues. He's 59th in points leagues. He's averaging 33 fantasy, which I love D'Anthony Melton as a player. I think the Grizzlies were stupid to give him up, to be honest. 
they're still going fine, so they're okay. But I, I think he's a really good player. Over the last five games, he's playing 35 minutes a night. Well, we know that's not going to stick. Now, he has the advantage that if, say, Harden's out or Maxi's out or Harris is out, he probably slides in and starts. And in the past, even if Embiid's been out, they've started him. All right, and that helps him. But he's doing this with the extra minutes, which again, they might. he's at 29 for the season on minutes. I think that's yeah, 27, 26 is probably a more realistic thing for him. But he's doing that thing. It's like the triple whammy effect. I don't know how many of you know pharmacology. It's the triple whammy when you put like um, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories and ACE inhibitors and there's something else. They have the, all three of them like screw your kidneys up all at once. I can't remember what the third... I forgot, man, I forgot my pharmacology. I can't remember what the third one is. When you put these three things together, it's called the triple, triple whammy effect on your, um, on your kidneys. And this is like the triple whammy but a positive. Increased minutes, increased usage, increased percentages. And all, everything looks super rosy and your value just goes straight up through the roof. And that's sort of where we are with D'Anthony Melton at the moment. Over the last five games, he's hitting 49% of his threes. Like it's huge. Like it's just not going to stick. He's also up to 2.7 steals per 36. Now he's a good steals guy, but usually when you take on a larger offensive load and play more minutes, your steal rate decreases. He's done the opposite. He's gone from 2.3 steals per 36 last season up to 2.7 this season. So he's increased minutes and increased rate. That's a really rare combination. All of those things suggest to me he's going to fall away. Now, there is a chance that De'Anthony Melton could be a top 100 player rest of season with potential injuries and rests and his production and how good I think he is. That is all possible. But if I get any top 80 player back in a deal, I'd, I'd target top 60, probably top 70 at the moment. I would take it immediately, understanding that I lose value for the next week and a half to two weeks and that we max in and out, all that sort of stuff. But in the long run, when we're planning for future, I think that ends up being a win. Someone tweeted to me today that Josh Giddy should be called the Kramer because he's got similarly crazy hair and Kramer says Giddy up. And you know what? If I could find, let me find who tweeted that to me. Um, it was the real Sim Shaney. Simpson15 is his Twitter handle. Absolute W. It's, it's a W nickname. So I'm just going to call him Kramer from now on, if I remember it. And I've got to get a sound drop for him. Anyway, Josh Giddy, it's been an up and down year. And when I was looking at these numbers, I looked at this and went, huh, Josh Giddy's 37th over the last two weeks? What the, f what? 38th in, 36th in points leagues? How's that happening? I thought he was just being a huge bust. And he sort of has been. Well, not really. He's 91st for the year. But he's averaging 39 or 38 fantasy points. That's up from 32. So what's happening here? Well, rebounds are up. 9.8 rebounds versus 7.8 rebounds for the season. Also, for the guy that's a bad free throw shooter, he's hitting 90% of them. He's at 74% for the season. This is on such low volume though. I'll tell you how low volume it is. He is nine of 10 over the last six games. You miss one free throw and you're at 80% and already the value drops. That is how low volume it is. So those numbers are really misleading. But people won't look at that. They'll see 90% or they'll just see rankings or player raters. He's also hitting 47.6% from three. And if there's one thing that I know and you know, is he's a bad three-point shooter. He's hitting 32% from three this season. He's at 26 last season. He's actually at 33% over the last 15 games. It's just that the last six games, he's gone crazy. All right? And in fact, over his last three games, he's at 56% from three. This is all going to fall away. I think Giddy can maintain top 100 numbers. I think he can maintain maybe even higher than that, maybe top 70 numbers, maybe top 80 numbers. But top 40, top 50, no way. 
I would try and get a top 60 player back from Giddy if I could. But I, I know that this just isn't going to stick. This one's an interesting one. Boyan Bogdanovich in Detroit. 43rd over the last two weeks, 84th in points leagues. And there is an argument to be made that Cade Cunningham... Well, actually, there's not an argument to be made that Cade Cunningham's out for the season because that's not an argument. He is. He's done for the year. But there's an argument to be made that with Cade Cunningham out for the rest of the season, Boyan takes, Boyan takes on a larger role, and I believe that is true. He will get more usage. He'll probably get more assists. There is the ever-lingering chance of a trade, I guess, and him going to another team where he's not the number one option and he's not out here um, with a 28% usage. Remember last season in Utah, 23 usage. The season before in Utah, 23. Goes to a team with other players where he's not the number one. Well, everything goes away. He's averaging basically the same fantasy points as he has all season, but there is a few things. And again, it's 28 usage. It's huge. And he's doing it triple whammy style, hitting 56% of his threes while increasing usage. It's a combination that has no staying power. He is 65th for the season, Boyan. He's been a gigantic steal. If he stays in Detroit, he can probably be top 70. He probably can be with this increased usage and increased role. He probably can do that. But there is the risk of him not staying in Detroit and losing six percentage points of usage and dropping your shooting numbers down. All of that, I think, is a pretty big likelihood. He's also a guy that notoriously has been bad at steals, and over the last two weeks, he's getting a steal a game. It's almost double what he normally does. So again, it's a triple whammy. Usage up, threes up, steals up, all pushing into being a top 50 player. I think he can be top 80 rest of season. I think he can do that, but a trade could easily push him outside the top 100. And the last guy I want to talk about is Malcolm Brogo Brogdon. Brogo is 70th over the last two weeks, 115th in category in points leagues. He's averaging 26 fantasy points versus 25 for the season. He shot 31% from three last season. And you know what he's shooting over the last two weeks? 52%. Even if you want to push it out to the whole season, 48%. There is going to be a massively ugly fall here. It is very unlikely to see someone jump up 10 percentage points in three-point percentage, let alone 17, which is what he's doing this season. It is going to be an ugly fall. And of course, those numbers, combined with hitting 58% on twos, he's only at 52 for the season. He's at 52 last season, so that number can stick. And he's at 92 from the line when he was at, much like Mitchell, like 86, 86 the last two seasons. There's just so much room for him to fall. And you know what? Robert Williams has to return. And yes, they play different positions, but Robert Williams is 26, 27 minutes, pushes Brown and Tatum down, meaning that White definitely stays on the bench, and then White and Brogdon get those bench minutes together. Now, Brogdon's playing better than White, I think, most of the time, but I just don't see... If I get any top 100 player for Brogdon back in a deal, I would do it. I think there's going to be a huge reckoning in terms of minutes. There's going to be a reckoning in terms of percentages from three, from two, and the free throw line. That is the triple whammy. All three things well above average. And if they all fall at the same time, it's going to look terrible. Because he's averaging, what, 0.3 steals and 0.2 blocks? That's putrid. He's averaging four assists. That's okay. Under five assists? It's all just coming on the back of insane efficiency, of a true shooting of, hold on to your dicks, 71%. Let me guarantee you, it's not sticking at that. It just isn't. No one's a 71% true shooting guy as a bloody point guard. It just isn't going to stick. And then you run the risk of reduced playing time because of the return of Rob Williams. I 
just don't see how this sticks for Brogdon. I like the bloke. Maybe I'm wrong. I also don't believe that he's a 48% three. I just don't think it's going to happen. If I had to bet against someone remaining a 48% three-point shooter on decent volume, I'll bet against it every single day of the week. And you should too. And that was a bloody long buy low and sell high show. Sorry for that. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you are here on YouTube, thumb it up. Leave your comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.